Of all the people that have shown up, I'm glad Jesus is here. Nobody can do me like Jesus can. He is my friend. What an honor it is to be in Grand Bay, Alabama. I, I just, I began to think the first time I made a trip to Grand Bay, it was when you guys were in the old church across the highway in the little block building, if my memory served. You know, uh, my memory is getting, something happens. I don't know what it is, but it, uh, it just takes it liberty to come and go as it pleases. And uh, my wife told me the other day, she said, you're worrying me. I said, really? How? She said, we just got through talking about that. It's not that I'm forgetful. It's just that sometimes I don't listen. (laughs) But honestly, it's selective hearing. And uh, uh, you ladies all know what I'm talking about because we've all been accused of having that. But what an honor it is to be here with... uh, Brother Louie and Sister Rachel Davis, I go way, way back. And uh, your pastor, Brother Shalon, and his lovely wife, Sister Jennifer. And then Cameron, Kenneth, uh, that's what we've decided. Uh, They call Andrew, uh, what is it? Andrew Shalon Davis. Andrew Shalon Davis. And we decided that Cameron was going to be Cameron Kenneth Hickman. Uh, And Delena, good to be here. It's a swap. I think I may, uh, I don't know. I've still got, he's still in high school. Do you want to go through that again? Okay. And then, brother and sister Dobbs, so good to see you. And uh, the rest of you folks, we've got friends here in time. It's not my friend to to go through all of those uh, acquaintances. It's just good to be in the house of God. And it's good to know that when Jesus shows up, everything is going to be okay. I was in the office with, with um, Brother Louie, and your pastor came in, and, and the first words out of his mouth was, well, Brother Dobbs and Sister Dobbs are going to be with us tonight. And I thought, if it's not enough pressure to preach somewhere else besides home, uh, when great men of God show up, it adds... Uh, a, a, but when Jesus shows up, everything's going to be okay, okay? I'm just a good old chubby boy that lost a little bit of thank you I I worked hard to get that out of you brother I I really really did and uh, just my my, one of my granddaughters the other day was was leaning over me and and I was sitting down and she put her arms around me and and she's eight and I love her to death and and, uh, she was looking at the top of my head And she said, Pops, you've got eight hair. They may be making a comeback. (laughs) Oh, Lord. But it is so good to be with you folks tonight. Been looking forward to being with you. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I have a, uh, you know, we we don't do Bibles all that much anymore. Uh, We do iPhones, iPads. But there's nothing like holding this book. When I do my personal reading, I like to get a hold of this book. And uh, just hold it. There's something near and dear about it. If you have those Bibles, why don't you turn with me? If you don't, I'm sure they'll provide that on the screen for you. But Genesis chapter 27, very familiar passage of Scripture. I'll read quickly to get you back seated because I think I heard from the Lord tonight. And it came to pass... That when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow and go out to the field and take me some venison and make me savory meat such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless thee before I die skipping down to the 30th verse it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob 
And Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. And he also made savory meat and brought it to his, unto his father and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn. Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father, my subject for your consideration this evening is simply in love with the blessing. In love with the blessing. Pastor, would you ask God's blessing? Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this service tonight. What you're yet to do from your word. We ask you, God, to bless Brother Hickman. Anoint him to bring your word to us. Anoint our hearts to receive the engrafted word of God. That can change our lives. We give you praise in advance. And everybody said amen. 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 If you're going to help me preach, why don't you clap your hands and be seated in Jesus' name. No doubt there are some among us this evening that are still reeling from the sticker shock of the price of this past Christmas. You're just now realizing that everything that was such a good idea at that particular moment now has come back to uh, kind of haunt us at times. But I dare say that there has been one of us as parents who have not taken the opportunity of Christmas to look at our children and give them this example and these words. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I began to look up the word bless or blessing or blessed. And as I began to, to read it, Merriam-Webster told me that blessed is to make holy by religious rite or to sanctify, to make the sign of the cross over so as to sanctify. He went on to say that it is to invoke divine favor upon, to honor as holy, to glorify. I continued and I read what blessing was defined as, and they defined a blessing as the act of one that blesses. A short prayer said before or after a meal, something promoting or, or contributing rather to happiness, well-being, or prosperity. I began to think about that. Let me, let me tell you this, this quick story. Uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not, uh, Brother Davis is here. He'll, he'll remember this very, very uh, very, very vividly. My dad preached when Brother Louie was in North Bend. My dad went and preached for him. And, and uh, we, I was a teenager, so Brother Shalon was, was probably around 10, 10 years old, I guess. And, and I'll never, when I, when I read that about the blessing, I'll never forget him riding from New Chapel with, with my family. Me and my mom, my dad, I'm an only child, so, so it was a pleasure to have him ride along with us. And he was eating a bag of potato chips. He was a blesser of blessers, I promise you. And I watched him as he would take every chip out of that bag. I had already devoured mine, mind you. And I was looking at his with that gleam in my eye, thinking, he's not big enough to eat all of that. But, but he took it out, Brother Louie, and every chip that he would take out, he would say a blessing over it. Now, that's been a long, long time ago, and it stuck with me. Blessing, something you do. The word bless appears 127 times in the King James Version, while blessing appears 67 times. Now, I, I received this thought, I feel like, from the Lord a couple of years ago. And as is the case most of the time when, as it was even this afternoon on the way down here, when my wife and I are traveling, 
Not long into the journey, sleep overtakes her eyes. And she begins to nod. And she will always ask me, do you mind if I'm, I'm real? T- no, baby, just go ahead. Just, just lay back. And, and then before very long, the sleep that has overtaken her eyes gives way to the nodding of the head, which induces the button on the side of the, on the seat. And it leans it back to a more comfortable position. And that in turn induces a coma-like state. That was the case just a couple of years ago as we traveled back from our little anniversary getaway the Friday after Thanksgiving. Most of the time I, I like to drive. Four boys in your home at one time, you relish and you, you cherish peace and quiet. If, if you've not had four boys at one time in your home, you, you don't know what you're missing. It's bad enough with one left sometimes. And, uh, but, but I normally ride in, in the quiet comfort and I just think, oh, Lord, peace, peace, wonderful peace. You know, and I'm just, I'm enjoying my time traveling. And it, it's just great. And, and most of the time, just shortly after the seat goes and the coma takes its, its toll on my wife, I, 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 it's silence. Silence. And the occasional grunt or snore that comes from the other side of the car as I'm traveling. But on this particular occasion, this particular Friday, can't forget it, I, I decided to turn on the radio. And uh, Sirius XM, 100-plus channels, I mean, they're, they're, you would think you could find something worth listening to. I, I, I even tried Enlighten. And I couldn't, I tried that, but, but Enlightened got all the wagon tracks around the church are gone, and I had to change. Uh, I, I had to move on, and I couldn't find anything that I wanted to listen to on the radio. I, I listened to Fox News for a moment, and then I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm in such a good mood, I don't need doom and gloom. Uh, I didn't even stop on those other news channels, just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you're a CNN kind of guy, God bless you. See us after church and we'll pray for you. (laughs) But I couldn't find anything. So after surfing every channel on Sirius XM, I decided to try the button on the radio that said CD. Had no idea what my wife had stuck in there, or one of the one of the boys had put in, and what do you know? Luck would have it, or or maybe it wasn't luck after all. The crooning that came forth from the speakers was none other than Jason Crab. I knew I'd get an amen out of that. Yeah, him being uh, the style a little more to my liking, I decided to to have a listen. After a few songs, there was one that came on that really caught my attention. I, I think the name of it was Home. Home. Let me share the lyrics with you for just a moment. It just simply says, she drew her last breath. She just felt her final pain. And that teardrop on her face, the hand of God just wiped away. Absent from the body with Jesus at last. Destination heaven cares all past. Carried by angels to the land of life. Where dreams will last forever and no one ever dies. Unending rest for the weary soul. It makes me want to go home. Valley shadow of death that everyone must pass through. If you hold the Savior's hand, he'll lead you and comfort you. Now, I'm not one to listen to sad, sappy songs. I'm I'm more of a, uh, you know, uh, one of them get up and go kind of song persons. I like to hear that good uh, southern wang to a good guitar. 
you know, that's just, that's just me. I, I, I love it. And, and in fact, one of my favorite singers was always Kenny Henson. And when he would, when he would do that, uh, that, that Merle Haggard drop down, whoo boy. So that was my style, but, but this particular song grabbed my attention. And it was the line that simply said, makes me want to go home. Makes me want to go home. I, my wife gets frustrated with me because I, I love to go on vacation. I, I really, really do. But about that third day when it starts getting nightfall, I, I want to go home. I'm good while it's daylight. I, I really am. I, I have a blast. While we, but when, when night begins to fall, there's something about home that makes me want to go there. Tears began to make their way down my cheeks as I began to think about those words. Simply makes me want to go home. And I began to think about that land that we used to sing about with so much gusto. I began to recall the glow on the faces of the elders that I used to watch as they sang those songs. I, and please don't mistake because the church that I pastor, we sing the same kind of worship courses that you do. But every once in a while, I just look at them and I throw the list away and I begin to sing those old songs that I remember. I begin to sing songs like, Won't it be wonderful there? Something about going home. I sing that old song, Sweet Haven of Rest. And when the roll is called up yonder. And I, I'm going to be there when the redeemed are gathering in. I, I'll never forget. It wouldn't take very long in our local assembly back years ago. When, when they used to break out with, I'll fly away. And it wasn't very long into that first verse before somebody began to run the aisles. There was something about going home that got a hold of their heart that said makes me want to go home oh I could go on and on with the list of songs and then all of a sudden it hit me and those tears began to course their way down my cheeks again and, and I began to think about it as a, as a whole we don't talk about heaven nearly as much as we used to the conversation just doesn't go there like it used to. The, the thought of that land so bright and fair that seems to have lost its luster for so many in this last day that we're living in. And all of a sudden, the realization dawned on me that far too many apostolics, myself included at that moment, are in love with the idea of going to heaven but we're not really in love with the reality of going to heaven. It sounds like a good idea, Brother Davis. I want to go to heaven. It sounds grand and glorious when you think about it in a fleeting moment of time. But when you stop and you begin to really consider going to heaven, I wonder, has heaven lost its luster in my life? Has it lost its appeal to me? What would cause us to fall in love with the idea and not the reality? And I begin to ponder those thoughts. And I believe that far too many have become a people who are more in love with the blessing than they are the blesser. I wanted to preach a, a different something, but God began to deal with me as late as last night. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing when I'm ready and prepared. And then God changes his mind. <laughs> I've got it all laid out. I've got three points and a poem and I'm ready to go. And, and God says, hey, how about this? In 1883, Charles Spurgeon was sitting on a bench in Menton, France, when a pale, emaciated woman sat down beside him. Her words were, I'm so afraid to die. Spurgeon tried to cheer her up saying, let me tell you what will probably happen to you. You will most likely go to bed some night and you'll wake up in heaven. Not long after that, the woman died in her sleep just as Spurgeon predicted. 
Her husband wrote Spurgeon a letter thanking him for comforting his wife before her midnight passing. Heaven, he went on to say, is a vast museum of wonders of grace and mercy. Many Victorians believed that the entrance to hell was through Iceland's famous Hecla volcano. But where was heaven? Where was heaven? Some assumed heaven was located in the central star of our solar system. As Spurgeon reports all of these things, I began to think and ponder. What about heaven? What about heaven? And I quote the great revivalist Charles Spurgeon. He simply said, you'll never have your heart in heaven to have you have heaven in your heart. You'll never have your heart in heaven until you have heaven in your heart. I began to read the works of Spurgeon. I began to look into what he had to say. You see, the afterlife was not an afterthought. Heaven seemed to be always on his mind. And as I began to consider the text that I read to you tonight, it's, it's a very familiar story. If you've, if you've been around Sunday school very long, you understand and know the story of Jacob and Esau. It's been taught so many different ways, so many different times. And most often we use the text to talk about Jacob, the deceiver. But I want to come at it from a slightly different angle for just a few moments tonight. And I want you to understand that now Abraham has long since gone. And Isaac is old and his days are now numbered. And the custom of the day was that the patriarch would bless the eldest son just before his passing. The birthright was a very, very important blessing that was to be handed down. It was referred to a person's inheritance. And for most of the world's history, the firstborn child always received or would receive an extra inheritance from the father. And what would happen is that when the father died, they would count his surviving children and then they would add one to the count. They would then divide the inheritance that many ways, and the eldest child would receive two portions of inheritance. And if a man died having three surviving children, it was divided four different ways with the eldest receiving. You can do simple math. But the, the birthright can be seen in the Mosaical Law. When you read in Deuteronomy 21, 17, it just simply says, But he shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has. For he is the beginning of his strength, the right of the firstborn is his. The double portion came as a rite of birth. This is what Esau sold to Jacob for just a... We, we don't understand it. It blows my little mind to think that one would become so famished. It wasn't that he was ignorant concerning the birthright. He grew up in the household. He knew what was coming. He no doubt understood that this was going to be the double portion that he was going to receive. And, and he sold it for a pot or a bowl of porridge. Now, Isaac, their father, was a very, very wealthy man. And Esau gave up half of his inheritance for a single bowl of red beans and rice. <laughs> Can you imagine? Not even Popeye's red beans and rice. I mean. <laughs> but he gave it away. And the Bible says that thus Esau despised. He despised his birthright. The blessing, the family blessing was a way to designate who became the head of the extended family when the father died. And like the birthright, the blessing generally most often went to the eldest son, but not always. Before Isaac's twins were born, God said, 
In Genesis 25, 23, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. Because God placed the older son under the younger son. He was stating that the second born was to receive the blessing. Now now Isaac is old in his age and he has decided to change. And, and he's changed, trying to change this. And he wants to give the blessing to his eldest son Esau anyway. And, and many things take place. You can read it for yourself. I don't have time in the 27th chapter. You understand Rebecca is eavesdropping and she hears what, what dad is saying saying to Esau and, and she has a plan I, I, I'm not going to get into whether or not she had God's plan or whether you just decide for yourself but she helped Jacob deceive his father she takes the two kids the goats and she covers him with the hair Isaac must have been severely blind by this stage. And she covers him with the goat hair. And when he goes in, you know that story. He's not quite convinced that it is the right one. And he says, come near me and kiss me, my son. You smell like Esau. You smell like the earth. You smell like my son that goes out and he blesses him. And let me pick my text up in the 30th verse. It wasn't very long afterwards that Esau comes in from the field. And he's wanting the blessing. Verse 33. Isaac is confused. Who is it? Who was that? Who was it that came in for? I've already blessed him. And I read to you the 34th verse. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great exceeding bitter cry. And he said unto his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. In verse 35, he said, thy brother, thy brother came subtly and hath taken away your blessing Verse 36, and he said, it is not rightly, is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he has even taken away my blessing. And he said, hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? No, Esau, you sold your birthright. In fact, I read to you that the Bible said you did more than sell it. You despised it. To despise is to regard with contempt or scorn. It's to dislike intensely. It's to loathe or to to regard as unworthy of one's interest or concern. Esau, you were in love with the idea of the birthright. But you were only in love with being the idea of being the patriarch of the family. But you never had any intentions of fulfilling the obligation or the role as the leader of the family. You were in love with the blessing. You were in love with an idea of getting what you wanted to have, but yet you had failed to fall in love with the giver of all blessings that comes from Him, that comes from Jesus Christ. It comes from God Almighty. I've come to challenge more life, United Pentecostal Church tonight. I'm not just in love with the blessing, but I want to have a personal relationship with the blesser. Esau, you were in love with the blessing, not the one who was bestowing the blessing upon you. How do I know that he was in love with the blessing? Genesis chapter 27 closes with this in the 46th verse. And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, 
such as these which are the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? And Genesis 28 opens with this statement, and Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, thou shalt not take for a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Skip down to the sixth verse. When Esau, when he saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to, to pay Dan a ram to take him a wife from thence. And that he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, Thou shalt not take wife or a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Verse 7 says that he saw Jacob obeyed his father. Verse 8, Esau saw the daughters of Canaan. He saw that they pleased not Isaac, his father. Isaac in this state was the giver of the blessing. Esau, you wanted the blessing. But when you didn't get the blessing, when it was just something you were grasping for, out because you thought it was going to make you great and mighty, when you realized that the blessing was gone and you saw something that displeased the giver of the blessing, the Bible says in the ninth verse, when he went, then he went unto Ishmael, and he took unto the wives which he had of Mahatha and the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth to be his wife. Esau loved the blessing, but he had no regard to the blesser. I do, and we have, and all of us probably have, and I made reference to it just a moment ago. We look down our noses and we say, we can't believe Esau that you would give up all of this for just a bowl of soup. Why would you ever do something so foolish? And we say things like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. And it seems that I hear crazier stuff all the time. You know, that, that's our, that's our go-to answer. I can't believe that. That's the craziest thing. Why in the world would you do something like that? But I've come to ask us tonight, when was the last time we really yearned for heaven? Thought about it on the drive down. Andrew had earphones in. That's been one of the greatest blessings for traveling if you have children that's ever been made known to man. He's the only one I got left at home. He's catching it now, but that's okay. He's, I love him to death. I told somebody I've, I've got four wonderful children. I love them all. They're, they're, they're wonderful. I wouldn't, I wouldn't swap them for a million dollars, but I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for four more just like them. No, I love them. If it wasn't for my children, I wouldn't have grandchildren. And man, you talk about good stuff. I use my family quite often. And, and Phil, this morning, teaching the Sunday school class, that's my oldest, our oldest son, and uh, he was teaching, and he used his two babies, which are my precious, precious grandbabies, as illustrations. And, and I told him in our worship service after that, I said, Phil, listen to me, son. You listen well. It's okay that I use my children for examples. But when you start touching my grandbabies, well, we, we, we've got some issues here. That you got to draw the line there. And, and, and uh, when's the last time you really yearned from heaven? I know we say things like, I can't wait to see Jesus. I can hardly wait to see Jesus. But I have to back up and check myself. And I have to ask myself, do I really mean it? Because you see, life's been good to me. Oh, I'm not a wealthy man by any stretch of the imagination. I, I don't even have all of my wants. I got a lot of wants. But I can stand, stand here tonight and tell you I'm blessed and I have more than's necessary for me to be comfortable because God has blessed me. 
He kept me. So I have to make a check. I have to look inside and say, okay, okay, do you really mean it? Do you really want to see Jesus? Or is it just something good to say to pacify a feeling? Is it some cliche that we have gotten used to saying? And, and am, am I really in love with the reality of heaven? Or am I just in love with the idea of streets of gold and gates of pearl and, and walls of jasper? Am I really in love with going to a place I've never seen before? I'm telling you, the older I get, and I'm not old by any stretch of the imagination, but this one thing I know, the, the, the older I become, the more homesick I become for a place I've never seen before. I don't know what it's going to be like. I've got a wild imagination. I don't know how it's going to be once my feet hit streets of gold. I can't explain all the splendor. The Bible says that it's not even entered into my, into my mind or my heart. I, I can't even begin to imagine but my imagination is so vivid and so real and I just want to go to that place called heaven place called heaven I repeat the words of Charles Spurgeon you'll never have your heart in heaven till you have heaven in your heart I'm asking myself as I'm talking to you tonight. Has the reality of heaven lost its luster? Has seeing Jesus face to face. Has it become something to just talk about? Or do I really want to go home? Do I really want to hear him say, well done? Do I really want to hear him say, enter in? Or does it just sound good? Does it just make me feel good to say, I want to go to heaven. I'm looking forward to it. Has it become something that I use in the pulpit at our home church to excite people? Or is it really something that's burning deep on the inside of me? Is there something about it that makes me want to go home? Or have I become so in love with the blessings have I become so in love with the comforts? Life's been good to me. Life has blessed me beyond anything that I could even begin to imagine. He's blessed me with a wonderful family, a beautiful wife that loves God. Can I just say this and time out of my notes and just tell me, men, let me just, just, let me just tell you something. If you've got a godly wife that loves Jesus Christ, you're blessed beyond measure. You know, we are at that time that we wonder. I remember as a teenager, as I was approaching that, that age where you get your driver's license. That was the highlight of, of my time, my era of time. I mean, you know, it was back in the day when you got them when you were 15. You didn't have to wait. You didn't have to do this or that. You just go down and take a test, drive around the block, and you're good to go. Man. I'll never forget, we had just moved up here in, uh, to, to Mississippi. And uh, Dad had just become pastor at New Chapel. And, and I was a month from being 15. Well, when I come to Mississippi, you had to wait, I think it was 30 days or something of that nature, before you could get your driver's license. I wasn't waiting. Mama and Daddy took me to Louisiana, and I got them on my birthday. I was ready to roll. I remember, I remember as, as, as a young boy before I got my license, I, I remember we talk about, I have grew up in the church. This is the only thing I've ever known. 
And, and you know, back then, we really, they really preached about heaven and going to heaven and, and all those kind of things. And I remember praying, Lord, don't come till I get my driver's license. Some of you laugh, and you know what I'm talking about. Then it was, Lord, don't come till I get married. And you get married, and you wish you would have come. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. I just got through telling you, if you got a good wife, you got a good thing. I was doing good one night. I blew it. Sweetheart, if you'll forgive me, I'll take you to Dreamland Barbecue in Mobile tomorrow. (laughs) But then it was, let me have children. Then you get them and you really wish he would have (laughs) come. But then comes the grandbabies. Then I wake up and I'm 55 years old. And I wonder, has heaven lost its zeal? Or do I want to go? To a place called heaven. Have I become so in love with the blessing. That the reality of streets of gold and gates of pearl no longer excites me. I know we've just come through the Christmas season. It was the season to be jolly. It's the time of year when we give and receive. It's it's the time of tinsel and glitter and lights. It's Elf on the Shelf and Rudolph, Donner and Blitzen. It's jolly old St. Nick and Christmas trees. Stockings hung by the chimney. Cookies and milk. Black Friday and Cyber Monday. New cars wrapped in bows. Golf clubs. Golf bags. Golf balls. Pool tables. I could go on and on and on naming the list of things. It's doll houses and bicycles and race tracks and, and new cars and all of these things that, that are toys. It's new MacBooks and Surface Pros and you get the gist. And I've got nothing against any of the above. We're truly a blessed people. My question tonight is this. Does any of that that I just named make me want to go to heaven? Does any of the things that I've just called out make me yearn for a place called home? Do any of the things, things, stuff, just you name it, it's it's all there. Does any of those things that I've named, do any of them make me want to see Jesus Or have I become so in love with the gifts that life bring my way that I no longer even consider or talk about the one from whom all blessings flow? James would pen these words in the first chapter in the 17th verse. Have I forgotten that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And I close this evening with this question. Do you really want to go home? Do you really want to go home? I've preached enough funerals over the past 15 years, 20 years of people that course I'm not the judge but people that we deem as homeward bound and then brother Louis I've stood in the pulpit and I've spoken words of comfort to families who for everything we know doesn't have any hope for the tomorrows I just want to know Do you want to go home? I'm not getting a busload up tonight, don't worry. I just wanted to say something to jog your memory. I just wanted to say something because listen, brother, brother Dobbs mentioned it. We are on the very precipice of the coming 
of Jesus Christ. This world, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that we're in trouble. You don't, you don't have to listen very long or read very much in a paper to realize that, that this, this great nation, and I'm, I'm, you're looking at one of the most patriotic, I'm proud to be an American. I thank God for this great nation. But it doesn't take long for me to realize that, that we're, we're spiraling out of control. And the more I read, the more I want to go home. I was praying here recently. Would you stand with me? Most of you know I lost, we lost my dad what, 23, 24 years ago, the young age of 50, a month from being 51. I'm blessed to still have my mother with me. Got eight beautiful grandchildren, four wonderful boys, three beautiful daughter-in-laws, and a beautiful and wonderful wife. And as I was driving by myself here just recently, I began to think about going home. And the thought came through my mind and out my lips only for me to hear, but it was simply, Lord, if I didn't love them so much and they didn't love me, and I'd hate to see them grieve, I just want to go home. I wasn't in a bad way. I wasn't having problems or trials, but all of a sudden I just became overwhelmed with a desire to go home. To go home. My mind quickly raced back to the time when I began to sing that old song. When with the Savior we enter the glory land. Won't it be wonderful there? <laughs> and something caused my heart to well up to just go home. I just want to go home. So tonight I leave you with a question. Just one question before your pastor comes. Are you in love with the blessing? Or are you in love with the blesser? Don't despise the gift Esau did. Esau despised it. He had no regard whatsoever for his father or his father's wishes. So I ask you tonight, do you really want to go home? Do you really want to go home? Would you lift your hands with me? Oh God, we love you tonight. Lord, in my most simple way, I've tried to explain to the best of my limited ability tonight, Lord, that there's something greater than the blessing. There's something more important than just receiving. And God, you've given me the greatest gift that's ever been known to mankind. And that's the gift of having the gift of the Holy Ghost. The very spirit of the almighty God that is being dwelt within me, oh Savior. You have blessed me beyond measure. And Lord, I pray tonight in my simple way that something would jar us and make us realize that there is soon to be the reality of heaven. And am I ready for that reality? or I just do I just like the idea I pray tonight Lord that there would be a moving of your presence a moving of your spirit Lord that would envelop us Lord I pray that we would return to that first love
I pray that we would never forget, oh God, that there is a place called heaven. Lord, I pray that we would always remember that if we miss that and if we don't fall in love with the real, the reality of heaven, that there is also a place called hell. And there's only two choices. Home. 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 So tonight, as your pastor comes, if there's something that's standing between you and your desire to go home, The 19th day of January is the best time to remove anything, anything, anything. The apostle would write that we're to lay aside every weight and the sin. Every weight is not a sin, but every weight is a distraction. Every weight distracts me. I've, I've played enough sports and I've watched and, and I am truly closing. Forgive me for having you stand, but I want to get something to you right now. I've played enough sports in my life and I've watched and you put ankle weights. I, I've watched the runners run with ankle weights around. I've watched them jump and do all kinds of exercise. There was only one reason that they had the weights on. It was to build strength. For when they took the weights off, they could jump higher. They could run faster. They could swing the bat harder, faster. They could do more and greater things in the athletic world. Can I ask the apostolics at More Life United Pentecostal Church tonight, I just wonder what would happen if we would get rid of some of the weights. How much could we do for the kingdom of God in this last day? He's going to have a revival. It's not a matter of whether he is or he isn't. He said in the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. So whether the revival's coming is not up for debate. The only debate is whether or not I'm going to be a part of it. Am I going to be engaged in the harvest field? I ask you if there's anything that's standing between you and your desire to see him face to face. Tonight would be the night. I invite you to come. We as apostolics have, have decided a long time ago that the altar was a place for just sinners. I beg to differ with you tonight. The altar is a place that I frequent on a regular basis. Why? Because I understand the importance of me dying. And so he can live. If there's anything that is standing between you and a desire to go home, I invite you to come and take inventory of your soul tonight and make sure that there's nothing standing in the way of your desire. Nothing, nothing, nothing to stand in the way of my hunger to see Him. I want to see Him. I want to see Him.